everything into existence. It's all of God. He did it all. But within this human realm that we live, um, God, because really, if you really think about it, it's because of sin and because of that separation now between us and God that was not there at the beginning. I mean, when we see God do what he just does normally, it's like a miracle to us. I mean, that's outside of our realm of living when God shows up like that. It's nothing to him, but it's really something to us, right? And that'll, that'll, give you, that'll help you when you pray, friend. What we think is miraculous is just, that's just who God is. It's commonplace. And it's not that hard for God. And so the Egyptians are going to see this. They're going to see it in the 10th in the plague. They're going to watch this. It's going to change them. Um, really, if you want to get uh, uh, historically accurate, Egypt hasn't been the same since. No, God did a number on it. Be careful. <laughs> Some things... You go, you, you go over roadblock after roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And, and there comes a time where, where um, the Bible says, and that without remedy. There comes a time when you don't remedy the destruction that you've caused in your life that God is trying to get you to stop. And we need to be aware of that. That's wisdom to notice those things and back away. It, Egypt's coming to a place here of no remedy. No remedy at all. And I, we're going to look today and over the next couple weeks i know i won't get it all done today we're going to look at some of the details that surround this last plague and look a little bit at the exodus itself and what i want to draw out of this is that we have the same confidence today as they had would have had marching out of egypt that next day after the passover i we, we need to have that same confidence because it's the same god amen He's still alive. Are we good with this? Amen. He's still alive. He's still on the throne. He's still working in the affairs of men and women and boys and girls and children. He is still alive and working, and we know that to be true. And we need to have a, a confidence of that in our own life. So, if I can get my stuff to work. Wow. Let's try something. I am blaming it on our grandson because he was using this yesterday and I don't know what he did. So we're good. <clears throat> he was definitely not look, going, looking over my lesson. I know that. So anyway, here we are. Look at Exodus chapter 12. We're going to read verses 29 through 36. Exodus chapter 12, look at verse 29. And the Bible says, And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the a land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne and the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great uh, cry in Egypt, for there was not an house where there was not one dead. I can't imagine that scene. Right? I, I guess... For some reason, uh, my own mistake this morning, I uh, clicked on some news on my phone and saw there was eight shot and killed down in a Texas mall. I don't know if that was this morning or last night. I don't know when it was last night. And, uh, you know, even those things kind of startle us. I mean, we're getting more and more numb to it. That's the more startling thing is that we're not startled as much as we used to be anymore. I remember Columbine, and that was just absolutely earth-shattering that somebody would do what they did. And now it's almost, uh, you know, bi-monthly. Bi uh, at least a few times a year this is happening. 
And, uh, but could you imagine waking up one morning and every firstborn son in the land that you live is dead? That's incredible, right? And uh, look at verse 30. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt. There's no sleeping that night. There was no rest. There's no peace. There's no, you know, think about that. That night they went to bed assuming they had another day coming, assuming what they were going to do the next day, uh, rejecting the God of Israel, rejecting their, crea- their creator, rejecting Jehovah God, and thinking they're just going to carry on with life just like they always have, and, uh, and we're going to prosper. But no, they didn't sleep that night. They got up that night, couldn't go to sleep. It says, for there was not an house where there was not one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord your God. Uh, serve the Lord as ye have said. Also, also take your flocks and your herds as ye have said, and be gone. Oh, and bless me also. <laughs> because he knows I'm in trouble. Yeah. And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people, I like this, that they might send them out of the land with, in haste, for they said, we be all dead men, right? And he, and he took the people, and, and, I'm sorry, and the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders, and the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed, I like that word, borrowed from the Egyptians, we'll give it back to you when we see you again. <laughs> We ain't seeing you again. And they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they lent unto them such things as they required. And they spoiled the Egyptians. Yeah, the borrowing turned into a spoiling. I like that. And uh, we'll stop there today and we'll we'll get through this um, and see how far we get. Father, thank you for your word. God, would you... Teach us today. Would you encourage us today? Would you warn us if we need warning today? Whatever the need is in our heart and life for those that are here today of us, God, would you? we look to you to do that work in us. And Father, that we would come away this morning trusting you, more confident in you than we have been in our entire life. Father, would you do that work today? In Jesus' name, amen. We saw in our last study, God was preparing. He was preparing the children of Israel for the tenth and the final plague that was going to come into the land of Egypt. The the previous nine plagues for for Israel needed no preparation. Think about this. The plagues fell on the land of Egypt, but not in Goshen where Israel was living. They they were immune from these plagues that were coming through. But it was the tenth plague the plague of death that nobody is immune from, right? Is that it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. Everybody that is born of Adam is, is, uh, is going to die, right? It is going to die. For by one man sin entered into the world, and by, in sin by death. For all have sinned. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. What happens to sin? We die. And and you know what the evidence has proven over the last 6,000 years? They're all dead. They're all dead. And the generation that is alive right now, and the two or three generations that are alive right now, they're on their way out, friend. They're on their way out. Some some are closer than they realize. 
Some think, well, I'm in this generation and I got plenty of time. Friend, the Bible also says, you know not what may be on the morrow, for what is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away. Me and Brother Chris and maybe some others who are, who are godly in here like coffee, and uh, we think of a nice, <laughs> you didn't catch that, you think of a nice hot cup of coffee and you watch that vapor come up, okay, tea, some that get out of the will of God stop drinking coffee and things like that. Uh, oh, you quit drinking coffee, didn't you? Yeah, he's just wanting to get, he's trying to get his body to take more caffeine in. So there's a, he's godlier than all of us. He's like, I need more. But uh, you watch that cup of coffee, right? And that steam goes up. And how long does it hover there? That for, it's like there and gone, right? It's there and gone. Yeah. It doesn't just hover there like smog over LA, right? It's, it's there and gone. The Bible, what a great illustration. It said, that's your life. Even if you live 100 years in the realm of 6,000 years, boom. In the realm of eternity, it doesn't even show up. Don't you marvel at these little bugs that live 24 hours? They're born, they go out and they do whatever they're supposed to do and they die. And I thought one time, how weird. I mean, think of what a... What a, what a a, a non-important existence, though they do have importance, right? then I begin to think, how much quicker is our life snuffed out than even that 24-hour bug in the realm of eternity? But there's a purpose to it. There's a pur- That's how big God is. He can do so much in such a little amount of time and use us to do that. And we see here that, uh, listen, it's appointed unto men once to die, and death was coming upon all. Realize this, we know this, death would have fallen on that Israelite home too if the blood hadn't been applied. Because death, listen, death applies to all of us. We are all going to die. He warned them that the death angel was going to come and was going to kill every firstborn in Egypt. So he prepared. I love that. Do you love how God prepares us? He prepares for death. He prepares us for death. He attempts to prepare us for death. Many people reject that preparation. Think about all of the finances. Think about all of the money that people spend in preparation to hedge against something negative happening in their life. We have auto insurance in case uh, we have a, a car accident and it costs a lot of money or somebody else hits us. Right, and they don't have it, and we got to spend a lot of money. We have auto insurance. We have health insurance. Right, we have uh, insurance on our home, homeowners insurance. Sometimes you get uh, umbrella statements, uh, umbrella uh, policies that cover more than just the home. If you have different properties, you have. Uh, and, I mean, just go down the line. Do you know these people that run? You might, I, you probably know this, but there's contests. You might have a furniture company that comes up and says, if the Kansas City, if you buy furniture between this state and this state, and the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl this year, your furniture is free. Right? They do those. Right? You know how they do that? They get an insurance policy. Then you know. Hey, if they have to make a claim, they make a claim. They, I mean, uh, they're paying a lot. of This is people prepare. People people prepare for the negative things of life. But how many people do not prepare for eternity? God has made preparation for our eternity. It's up to us to accept the preparation that He's made. And thousands upon millions are leaving the planet every day without preparations for eternity. And because of a lack of preparation, they're going to go exactly where God said they would go. He warned us. 
If you're listening to my voice today, he, there's the warning going out from God that if you reject what he has, if you reject the preparation, if you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, if you reject the love of God, listen, the only place you can go is separate from him, which is hell. And that is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. It'll never end. That's right. God prepared the children of Israel so they could be spared from death. Right. Can I tell you he's still doing that today? The preparation has already been made. It is Jesus Christ. It's not a religion. It's not a work. It's not an act. It's not baptism. It's not knocking doors. It's, it's not uh, going to church. It's not whatever good work you want to you figure it out. It is a person. It's Jesus Christ. You will either say yes to him or you will say no to him. Right? He is the preparation for eternity. And here they were to take the blood of the lamb and put it on the top of the door and on the side post of the door. And they were to cover that door with the blood of the lamb, which is exactly the same preparation that God himself made for us. And the blood of that spotless lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. That, 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 that spotless lamb of God, the, 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 uh, the little lamb that God himself brought, his only begotten son. They took that blood and they put it over the door and that death angel passed over the blood. De watch, death couldn't get past the blood. Couldn't get past the blood. Right. It was a picture of the finished work of Christ. And we know that this morning. Right. You know what, your sins, if, if your sins ever... Here today, if you're watching online, wherever it may be, if you watch it down the road and 10 years later and 15 years later, it's still on the Internet. And uh, can I tell you, the blood is still sufficient today. It is still sufficient. It is the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your sins, past, present, and future, can all be taken away by the blood of Jesus Christ. One drop of blood, one drop of blood can take away millions upon millions of sin of millions of millions of sinners. It's a powerful blood. It's a precious blood. Amen. And here today we the, we're going to study the actual event of that tenth plague in which destruction comes to every Egyptian household. Can I tell you, even among the Egyptians, it didn't have to come. I said this last week, they could have looked at what the Israelites are doing and go, that's weird. What are they doing? Think about this. There, there's probably two million Israelites going out of the land. million and a half at the least, right, going out of the land. How many homes is that in Israel? Thousands upon thousands, maybe 10,000 homes or more, maybe 100,000 homes throughout the land of Goshen. And if the Egyptians were just kind of watching casually, they're going, what are they doing? Everyone's murdering a lamb. This is weird. Everyone's killing a lamb. Everyone's taking blood. Everyone's putting blood over the door. If they just had a little road walking sense, they could have said, now hold on, our, our wheat's gone, uh, flies, frogs are still stacked up, it stinks. Uh, some people, there's still lice, there's still this. There's, there's been nine times. Now, what are they doing? Maybe we ought to go ask. Isn't that nice when the world goes, when the world goes, so why do you go to church like that? Why do you dress like that? Why don't I ever see you over here? Why don't I ever, 
Wait, why, 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 why? Some do. Some just watch and they begin asking why. So you know what? We're ready to give an answer of the hope which lieth within us. Because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I've been born again. Because God saved me. Because my sins are forgiven. Because we're on our way to heaven. Because I'm a child of God. We live this way, right? The world could ask, right? Now, Jesus, of course, you know, you got to go catch a fish, right? you got to go confront them many times. But once in a while, they begin to ask questions. The Egyptians could have asked. They watched what was going on, right? But they chose not to. What am I saying? I, I, I think it would be possible. It could have been possible but that, that an Egyptian home could have been spared by the same blood. Why? Because salvation has always been the same, friend. Jew and Gentile, is, it is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. They had faith that it was coming back then, and we have, we have faith that it came. Same thing. And so we're going to look at the direct parallels in our lives today over this, over this uh, exodus out of Egypt, over the Red Sea crossing. We're going to look at that, and we're going to see first off the declaration of a holy God. God has declared that His judgment will come on the Egyptians through this tenth plague. And God is going to force Pharaoh to surrender, and without dispute, He is going to show His holiness and His omnipotence. Omnipotence. Potence. Potent means power. Omni means all. Omnipotence means He is all Powerful. God is all power. Everything that is power is, is the source is God. But he's declared this. Judgment, judgment is coming. It's appointed unto men once to die. I just quoted this. But after that, the judgment. Judgment's coming. Judgment's coming for the lost world at the, at the beam of seat judgment. Listen, child of God, judgment's coming for you and me too, friend. Don't forget that. We're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I'm telling you, I'm going to spend some time in this subject, uh, Lord willing, in the months coming up. We might do a series of it. But I think we have forgotten that we are going to be judged. And listen, friend, our obedience to God is directly affects our rewards, watch this, and our place in the millennial reign of Christ. I believe there are some believers that will not reign in the millennial reign of Christ. Oh, they're in heaven. They're saved. We're not talking about salvation. But we're talking about ruling and reigning with Him. And I'll show you that. Some people say, well, I'm going to heaven. Well, well, who cares? You know, I'll go to church when it's good for me. I'll I'll do this when it's good. I'm telling you, friend, you're losing rewards. And and it's plain all through the New Testament. God is warning us again. And, And you say, well, listen, what parent who has a child that competes something, doesn't want to see the child to do well. Can I tell you, God wants us to finish well. He wants us to have, He wants every one of His children to have the most rewards of anybody possible. He wants us to have completion and enter in with joy. He wants that to happen with a more glorious entrance. He wants us to have that. What a better way to say thank you for our salvation than, than to have a life that endeavors, endeavors to win as God wants us to win. I'm, boy, I got off on that, but man, we're going to look at this because it is missing. We have a we have a, a load of Christians today. Maybe it's just an American thing that uh, just think, oh well, you know, I'm saved. Yeah, that attitude's bothersome because somebody who's really a child of God doesn't usually have that type of an attitude. Generally, generally, there's this desire to to uh, like as Jesus says, you know, of whom much. Uh, is forgiven, you know, 
they that love, uh, forgive much and love much. And we see that many times. But uh, God is, is telling the Egyptians here, judgment is coming. It's coming. So, in verses 29 through 30, if you'll notice, God who is love, right? Over in 1 John, the Bible says God is love. And, in, you know, uh, uh, how do we... Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Anybody, anyone who loveth God, loveth not God, knoweth not God, for God is love. Yeah, I just butchered that. But go look at that. First John, I believe it's chapter 4. No, that's any other one. Anyway, go back to First John. It's real short. You'll find it, and I'll brush up on that later. How's that? So God is love. That's what I'm trying to say. God is, God is love. He doesn't just love. He is love. He is love. And so look in verse 12, 29 and 30. came to pass at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn of the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne. Death is no respecter of persons unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the cattle. Listen, there is no partiality. Oh, you're rich, so I'll spare you. Oh, poor thing, you're poor, so I'll spare you. No, he is no respecter of person. Death is... No respecter. And Pharaoh rose up in the night. He and all of his servants and all the Egyptians. There was a great cry in Egypt. There was not a house where there was not one dead. No, it's not blinking. I don't know what. There's interference somewhere. Thank you, though. We'll just enjoy the scratching once in a while. I try to keep my arms like this. Maybe that'll do it. (laughs) Rabbit ears. There we go. That'd be on me or on that. Oh, okay, yeah. God judged the Egyptians. He judged them through the most devastating events imaginable. He judged them through the loss of not just somebody else's death, the loss of family, the loss of a firstborn son. I know there are those that are in this church that have lost children already. And it's a devastating thing. A parent, a parent in that situation will say, there, "There's, I just a parent should not lose, a child should not go before a parent." I always thought I would go before the child, and uh, but that's not how life works sometimes. And here are the Egyptians dealing with the most devastating losses there is: the loss of family, the loss of family. Can I tell you something? Let's be honest, and let me say it, not honest. Let me say it this way: We should always be honest. Uh, let's be transparent here. This is tough to, to, to swallow that God would come in and kill all of the firstborn. That's really tough, isn't it? We said, I thought God was love. Well, absolutely is. You just said he was love. Yeah, he is. So he just went through a nation and wiped out all the firstborn. Now remember, they did have preparation. They could have, they could have uh, watched Israel. They could have uh, responded to God a long time ago. They could have. But can I remember you of this over in Galatians? It says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Do you not remember that it was the Pharaoh of Egypt that demanded all the Hebrew boys to be killed? Let me tell you something. Judgment has rolled around. And judgment time has showed up in Egypt. And God is dealing with that. Why can God do that? Well, because God created life. He has the right to take life. You know why we can't take life except where God tells us we can? Because we didn't create life. And we cannot create life. We don't have the ability to create life. So the one who has the ability to create life has the, has the, uh, the right and the authority to take life. And he's only given us a very narrow space where we can take life. 
the government is allowed to take life and, and in realms of capital punishment and, and uh, wielding justice in, in, in within the government, they're allowed to. In times of war, declared war, God has allowed, uh, allowed uh, uh, um, the taking of life. Somebody says over in the, in, uh, in, uh, in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill. And, uh, and these Bible correctors come along and say, oh, nope, 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 that should have been murder. That should have been, that's a, the King James translated it incorrectly. No, it didn't. Because realize, you realize, mur- what is a murder? It's the taking of a human life. Did you know there is, pro- there, there is a, there is a uh, what's the word I'm looking, prohibition against taking of animal life in the Bible as well? You can't kill your neighbor's animal. <laughs> you don't have a right to. Why? It doesn't belong to you. And if you kill it, you've got to restore it. And sometimes if you steal it and kill it, you've got to restore it sometimes fivefold. Right? So the kill is the correct word because the, the Ten Commandments are generalities, right? Leviticus and Deuteronomy, they deal with the minutia of the Ten Commandments, how it lives out on a daily basis, right? But that's, these are generalities. God said, thou shalt not kill. If he said, thou shalt not murder, it would have been a total contradiction for him to be upset about somebody killing somebody else's animal. It's, it's the correct word. Don't, because that word, that Hebrew word there, means both kill and murder. It can be, mean both things. So anyway, God has the right to take life. This is Sunday school, I think, right? Okay, so we're learning extra stuff. We'll be okay. Sometimes I get sidetracked and I feel bad about it. But yeah, God has the right to take life. And you know what? The Egyptians, Pharaoh sowed this. He sowed this. Sadly, all of Egypt paid for the Pharaoh's rejection of God. I tell you what, we have such a responsibility as an American that have rights to, that have a right to vote because our leaders affect us, don't they? Have you watched abortion? I, I, I mean, it's, it's astounding uh, how the last administration, the previous administration, how the screws are really put down on the abortion industry and how, how so much of that was given over to the states as it should be and, as it should be, and how many states have said, no, nope, we're outlawing this, go to another state and do it, but we're not doing it. I said that is all directly related to right leadership. And let me tell you something, friend. We may not like all of the leadership, right? The, the previous administration was not Christian, friend. Don't make that. I, listen, that, the previous administration, he was just as much a reprobated as anybody else. But strangely enough, he did more for religious liberty and, watch, in the squashing of, of unrighteousness than any of the supposed Christian presidents before him. Weird, <laughs> Right? Yeah, I hope the man gets saved, just as I hope Joe Biden gets saved. He is running out of time. He is on the precipice of hell, and he doesn't even realize it. And he needs to be saved, and we need to beg God to continue to, to draw him and do a work in his life and his entire family. We really do. But God has proven, he has already proven here in, Egyptians, in Egypt's uh, existence that his power through those nine consecutive plagues they could have seen it was god they knew it was god i've said this before at certain times they at one time they they started responding because they knew whatever plague was coming it was coming and they knew that and uh now after this 10th plague it was beyond a shadow of a doubt this was god it wasn't the egyptians gods there was no listen there's no chance even those those magicians could uh, uh, copy a few of those plagues. I think God kind of led them along with that one. 
Satan got involved with that one and God led him. But I tell you what, friend, you get to that 10th plague, uh-uh, no question. First of all, why would the Egyptian magicians do that to their own people? They're not going to do it. Wasn't them. Why would Satan want to kill them? He loves Egypt. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was Almighty God. It was their creator. It was Jehovah God. And there was absolutely no question about it. Verse 12, Pharaoh will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. They saw it. No shadow of doubt. Yeah. You realize the Egyptians didn't always, didn't only worship idols of carved stone and carved wood and things like that. They also worshipped animals. God took the cattle too. He said, I'm Lord over you. I'm, I am Lord over all of your gods. And I can snuff them out anytime I want to. Listen to what Warren, Wiers, Warren Wiersbe says. If you ever get any of his writings, uh, very good. They're very good. He says, Pharaoh and the Egyptian people sinned against the flood of light and insulted God's mercy. Yeah. They sinned against the flood of light. You know what every plague was? Light. What was it shining light upon? God, their creator. Yeah. Do you realize we have light all around us? The lost world has light all around us. If you've never had that day and that time you've come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have repented of your sins, you have confessed who you are and turned to God in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, put your faith there. There is light all around you pointing you to that fact. Two areas, conscience and creation. You're saved and you're under the sound of my voice today. Something inside of you is telling you emphatically that what is being said here and said out of the Word of God is true and you know it. You know it is. That's a light of conscience. It's convicting you right now. It's a heaviness, right? You've tuned in and you wish you hadn't, but you keep tuning in and you wish you hadn't, right? Because of the conviction that doesn't go away. Thank the Lord for that. That is light. That is the light that is drawing you and trying to get you to see the uh, see that you're a creator, that you're at odds with him, and you need that relationship uh, restored again, right? Not only not only creation or not only conscience, but also creation, right? The heavens declare the glory of God; the firmament showeth forth His handiwork. You can see at creation. You can look at the stars. You can spend some time and just pondering and watching and looking at things around you, and knowing there is a creator. There is a creator, and if there is a creator, what does that mean for me? It's light. You know what else is light? The Bible says, the entrance of thy word giveth light. The preaching of the word of God, it's light. There's light all around you, folks. Listen, there's light all around the believer, the child of God as well. To hear is the way, Jesus said, and walk ye in it. He said, I am the light of the world, right? He, he lightens us and he directs us and he leads us by his Holy Spirit. And there is light all around us that we need to respond to. The Egyptian people sinned against the flood of light. How often have you watched in your life, Christian, when you had a flood of light around you and you sinned against it? He said, eh, maybe that's not, maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe not, maybe that. And then you go, yep, it was. 
Shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have gone there. Shouldn't have said that. Fill in the blank. Jehovah had publicly humiliated the Egyptian gods and goddesses, Wordsby goes on to say, and proved himself to be the only true and living God, yet the nations would not believe. They refused it. And that great devastation was undisputable. It was an undisputable declaration that God is all power. Goes on in our spiritual warfare today. Probably going to have to end here. But if you would, find your way over to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Remember that when you have aught with your brother in Christ. Your real aught isn't the, isn't the flesh and blood. It's the principalities that love to stir it up. Yeah, Satan's the accuser of the brethren. He accuses us to God. He accuses God to us and he accuses us to each other. You ever had times when you're frustrated at somebody you don't even know why? You have something going on in your mind that you think they did, but you really don't even know it. You're just assuming. Who does that? Well, that's Satan, man. Sometimes we need to realize, hey, our fight is against principalities and powers of the air of Satan, and we need to uh, realize what it is. He said, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Having done all, yeah, to stand. That's exactly how it's written. Can I tell you this morning, God is just as all-powerful today as as he was when he led the Egyptians out of Egypt. He has not changed. I am the Lord thy God, he declares. I change not. If you really stop and ponder that declaration, that's a, that's a, big, that's a big thing to state. Could you imagine me sitting up here and saying, I am, I am your pastor, I am, I am Pastor Eccles, and I change not. And you're like, that's a dumb thing to say. We change all the time, don't we? Thankfully, we're changing, hopefully, into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we're changing constantly. And, and a lot of times, not for the good. I mean, if God would make such a statement, don't you think we've had, just in, in written record, I mean, a few thousand years of evidence to pour over to go, no, you changed. Ha ha. Liar. Liar, liar, pants on fire. He said, I change not. And he hasn't. He has not changed. He is the same God as the God who took took the Egyptians out of their bondage is the same God, listen to me, who can draw you out of your bondage. Listen, friend. Sometimes God lets you sit in your bondage to go through nine plagues so you're convinced who he is before he takes you out. When it was time to go, they were ready to go. They were convinced of it. They were convinced. Absolutely. The children of Israel, verse 35 and 36, did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold, raiment, and the Lord gave, all, gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. So they lent unto them such things as it required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. That word borrowed there in verse 35, the Hebrew, Hebrew word cha'al, it means to request or to demand or to borrow. Pretty simple, right? The next, in verse 36, though, you'll see the word spoiled. It's the word natsal. And it means to snatch, to pluck, 
or to strip. Now watch this. The Egyptians were so tired of the plagues. They were so overwhelmed with grief over the the death in every household that when the Egyptians asked for their gold or their silver or their possessions, hey, we're getting ready to leave. Can, Can I borrow that? They're like, just take it and get out, please. What they thought as to borrow, watch, they walked out with it as in, as like somebody who would just pluck it up to strip or to snatch or to take away. It wasn't coming back, right? It wasn't coming back. And God did this. God did this. Yeah. Not only does he pull them out of Egypt, but he gives them provision for the journey that's coming up. You know when God takes us out? I love the parallels. Aren't they wonderful? God takes us out. We're always, listen, we are always redeemed in, in Egypt, right? Brother Jim, we are always redeemed in Egypt. The blood is applied in Egypt, but he takes us out and he gave us provision. What's the provision for the journey? Now, remember, the promised land is not heaven. It's not an illustration of heaven. Canaan land is, is the will of God for us, where God wants us to live our life in his will. What is the provision for that? It's the Holy Spirit of God, the indwelling Spirit of God, the pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own. He leads me. He leads me. God not only takes you out, friend, but he gives you provision. Are you walking in the Spirit? God's given you provision. He's he brought you out. Are you walking in the provision that he's given you? The Israelites, we'll see here, coming on here, they're not going to walk in the provision all the time. Right? They're going to have some trouble. We need to stop here. Aren't you glad for the faithfulness of God? The faithfulness of God. Listen, what he told Moses, what he told Abraham, what he told Abraham centuries before this, he fulfilled that night. And he was bringing him into a land that he had promised Abraham. And already by this time, remember what God told Abraham? Your seed will be as the stars of heaven, as the sand of the sea. And already in this, by this time, they're already into a multitude, such a large multitude. Egypt didn't want to lose them, and Egypt was concerned that they would overpower them and rule them. So they had to put them in bondage so they wouldn't take over. God, was, God is fulfilling exactly what he told Abraham, exactly what he told them. Listen to me today. Listen. He's still fulfilling his will and his word and his promises today to us. Amen? Trust him. I don't know where you are this morning. Trust Him. I don't know what you're going through. Trust Him. I don't know what's ahead for tomorrow. Trust Him. I don't know what mistakes you're musing over in the past and grousing over in the past. Trust Him. Just trust Him. Okay? Father, thank you this morning for the the look here at this exodus. Thank you for the reminder today that you are all-powerful, that you are God, that you change not. And Lord, the same way that you took them out of Egypt and gave them provisions for the journey, you've taken us out by the blood of the Lord Jesus. You've indwelt us by thy Holy Spirit. You've given us the provisions. And we're on a journey to, the, to a will that you have for us. Some, some are in your will right now. They, they're there. They've arrived and they're thriving with the, with the joy that you have for them and the, and, uh, and, and, and the, the, the role that you have for them in, in, in the land. And there's some here today yet that are still on that wilderness wandering, trying to find uh, your will for their life. And, and uh, they need to get there. Would you help them there? And there, there are also some here today, maybe some watching, maybe some here.
that, Lord, they're still in Egypt and they've never been born again and they need to be saved today before it's eternal until late. We ask your Holy Spirit to draw today. Arrest their attention. Give them no rest till they come in with yielding and surrender to you this morning and put their faith and trust in Christ personally. Would you do that work today? We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, and we'll see you in a little bit.